This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, celebrating Reunion Weekend, where alumni have gathered to reconnect and learn. This is a special presentation of Career Talk with your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM Channel 111. Hey, it's 10 a.m. Saturday Eastern. We are live taking your calls for our special Wharton Reunion Radio, and we want to hear from you at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm going to give a shout-out to all of our alumni celebrating their anniversary. Woohoo! Congratulations and welcome back to campus. So we have Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who are here all hour long. I would love to hear from you at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and corporate recruiter and... We have some very exciting alumni here to share their advice with you all hour. And if you'd like to ask them a question, we'd love to take your call at 844-942-7866. So as we kick off this special, I'm very excited to welcome Lee Leibowitz, who is the Director of Service Line Analytics and Strategy for the University of Pennsylvania Health System right here at Penn Medicine. Lee provides leadership, analytics-based insight, and operational support related to financial and market development issues, and prior roles have included Accenture, Invoyant, and McKesson, with significant experience in strategy, sales, customer service, operations, and many, many more things. He graduated from the program that I work for, which is the MBA for Executives program right here in Philly, and this marks his five-year anniversary. Welcome to the program, Lee. Thank you, Dawn. Top of the morning to you. So yes, yes. I usually don't do a show in the morning, so I've got my Wawa coffee, and we're all set to go, but congrats on five years. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I woke up this morning and did some quick math, and uh, I can't believe how much has happened in five years. Well, good. We're excited to hear about it, because, um, and I will I will say just for our listeners, Lee is very involved with coming back to campus and mentoring our current students and giving out great advice, so you're in for a real treat. He's got lots of great things to share with you about how you can be successful and effective in your career. But Lee, I want to start, you went to the executive program here at Wharton. And so that means that our executive program invites people back who have, you know, around 10 or more years of experience. So what, uh, why did you make the decision to come back to school in your career? That's a great question. So um, I'll start with saying there is never a perfect time to come back to school. Okay. Um, I had kids, I had a job, obviously had a job. Um, And so it's never easy. But what happened to me was I realized in my job that I'd reached sort of a plateau. Uh, my opportunities to, to grow and to continue to learn seemed to be leveling off. And, and in my young 30s, realized I didn't want that yet. I wasn't ready for a plateau. Mm-hmm. And I needed something to really get me going, jumpstart my career, uh, get my, um, my head back in a learning mode. And, and so did a little looking around. Um, going back to school, getting an MBA was always something on my radar. Um, but looked around, realized one of the best programs in the world was really right in my backyard. Uh, and so I came, sat in on a class, didn't know what they were talking about at the time. Um, but it was really energizing to see um, how students were interacting and learning the material and how great the professors were. And from there, just went along the process, learned more, applied, interviewed, took the GMATs. It's always fun. Uh, and found myself back here at, at Wharton. So we have a lot of um, college students across the U.S. who are graduating right now, and some of them are thinking about going right into graduate school, and some of them are thinking about, you know, should I wait? Or do you, what are your, when you think about it, obviously you waited and went back to school. I'm sure there's pros and cons to both, but, you know, in your opinion, what are some of the things people should consider if they're thinking, should I go now or should I wait? So that's a tough one. I think everybody has to make their own decisions based on what they want to do in their career or for their next step in their career. Um, I I can speak from my experience that waiting made all of the difference in the world because I came back to school with real-life questions, real-life experiences. Uh, My cohort, my peers in the program had real-life experiences. Um, And I'll I'll say one of the key differences was sitting in class. um, Real example, we were talking about a case. 
And one of my peers raised their hand and said, I was on the team that worked on that acquisition. Wow. And here was our perspective. Um, and so um, having some life experience, having some business experience really enabled us uh, and me um, to apply the knowledge we were learning to make it real. Um, and so for me personally, waiting made all, in retrospect was the best decision. Uh, and it made made the learning more than just about the textbooks. So one topic that you know very well, and as do listeners of Career Talk, is that I I believe networking is the heart and soul of career success. Whether you're looking for a job or you're looking to advance or just you know in, in general learn, keep learning. So can you share a little bit, Lee, about how networking has played a role, not just through your cohort in the MBA, but you know throughout your career and um, how that has impacted your success? Sure. So um, so much. Of- of work is the interpersonal um, component. So there are very few jobs where you sit in a cube and you crunch numbers and you hand somebody a piece of paper. Uh, so much of it's about working together, um, solving problems, fixing things, uh, and and that is all interpersonal. And the best way to build relationships, meet new people, is to put yourself out there. So whether it's uh, uh, finding somebody with some a common connection and having coffee or identifying a potential industry or a potential job that you think might be interesting to you, um, going out there and meeting people is the best way to, A, learn, and also for them to get to know you. And again, making that connection, being um, person to person, that's so much of what work and what success is about. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people struggle, Lee, with how to keep those networks alive and how to build them because clearly you're a very busy person, especially when you were going to school because you were working full-time and going to school. So what advice do you have for people about how to keep those networks, especially because you've moved jobs a couple of times and you get immersed in the new job and, and maybe you don't keep in touch with people from the past, but what advice do you have for individuals who struggle with, with keeping those networks alive? So the good news is we live in an age with social media, um, you know, LinkedIn is a great professional tool to, at a minimum, uh, keep connected. So I think one of the things that people used to struggle with was losing touch, losing the ability to contact folks. Um, so I think we're fortunate that we have the ability to at least be able to find the people we want to find. Um, I think a, a big comp- a, a big success strategy is just being willing to go and reach out, even if it's been a year or two years or six months or whatever the time period is. Um, people love to hear from you, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I love to hear from people, even if it's folks I haven't been close with or been in touch with. For somebody to reach out to me, I'm always going to return a call. I'm always going to you know schedule some time to to catch up and chat. Um, and it can be that simple. So you don't always have to have an agenda. Um, you don't always have to, to, to be in touch with somebody on a constant or regular basis to, to uh, reach out. So I think one of the things that, that, you know, the reunion weekend, that's a very key one. I think any time you have an opportunity to see a lot of people at once, like a reunion or a wedding or a retirement or things like that, I think that's a great time to show up and to just even shake a few hands, meet a few new people, because you're getting kind of maximum benefit for maybe just a few hours of your time. So I think that, you know, the whole idea of, of Wharton's reunion is a great one for that purpose. Um, and I also think that um, as you're talking about this, one of the things that is sort of implied in what you're saying is you've got to make time for it. You have to kind of build it into your daily routine. It can't be something that you think of only when you need a job or only when you're thinking that, um, you know, I might get laid off or things like that. It's, it's something that's constant for you, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I find is you always learn. So you talk to people, you learn about what they're doing, um, the, the uh, careers that they're engaged in or the industries they're engaged in. And what I found is you can always take snippets of information um, again, even if you're not actively looking to make a change in your own life, but snippets of information about how people are approaching their own challenges in their job and apply that to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to a very special episode of Career Talk as part of Wharton's Reunion Radio. It's 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific. If you're up out there on the Saturday, we are live and taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Lee Leibowitz, who is celebrating his five-year anniversary from Wharton's MBA executive MBA, actually, program here. And we are live in studio talking about career advice that helps you to be successful. So, so Lee, you work here right here at Penn Medicine. Um, and so you've stayed in Philadelphia for your career. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. So yeah, you, you've, gone, you've gone a little bit. But um, so is, how has that been helpful or hurtful in your career? I mean, should people be willing to move and 
obviously people are juggling family and, and lots of other things, but how does that impact a career? So I think before I came back to the executive uh, MBA program here at Wharton, um, one of my personal limiting factors was mm-hmm. I didn't want to relocate. I had a family. Mm-hmm. We were happy in, in South Jersey where we live. Um, and so for me, coming back to school was one of the ways to get around that, that again, acknowledged inflexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, post-graduation, I went into consulting, did a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to get around mm-hmm. if you don't want to relocate. Um, I think having flexibility to move and to relocate, if that's the right thing, the right thing for your family, um, opens up opportunity. Um, but there are other ways to do it if you are geographically uh, uh, happy. <laughs> geographically happy, I like it. <laughs> it's very PC. I'm geographically happy, and I think that's true. I mean, I think I think more people stay in a given location than necessarily move. So, um, you know how how. So you said if you're geographically happy, you can find other ways to kind of network and broaden your career. What are some of those ways for people who are not interested in either relocating or there's some people who can't or just don't want to travel extensively? Yeah. So I, I'm a big proponent of consulting, even though I don't do it anymore, uh, as a career experience um, and as a really great transferable and relatable skill on your resume. Um, so the the travel that comes with most consulting jobs is uh, arduous. Um, and so if that's not an option or not something that's attractive to you, um, there are, I, I think employers have become much more flexible about um, creative work mm-hmm. environments. So work at home or partial work at home or you know partial remote work. Um, and so I think geography is not as limited to what's in your immediate you know 45-minute commute radius. Um, there are lots of people who live in this area that work in New York City and maybe go twice a week or go one week every month or whatever, you know, those creative um, work arrangements tend to be. Um, With technology and with companies that are spread across uh, the country or around the world, uh, that's much more common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I like what you're saying because as people are thinking about either maybe you're just newly graduating or you're looking to make a mid-career change, I think these things are important to think about is where where am I in life? What um, what is currently making me happy that is maybe a non-negotiable? You know, how does family factor in or how does the location where I am or do I own a house? I mean, all of these things have to be factored in. A lot of people just focus on the actual job or even worse, just the salary. And they're not thinking about all of these things. But as you change in stages of life, your values change. And these things need to be taken into consideration when you are thinking about your next job search. So I, I love the way you um, you put that. Hey, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to a very special episode of Career Talk here on Wharton's Reunion Radio on Sirius XM Channel 111. We have Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who'd love to hear from you. Um, and we are uh, graced in studio with Lee Leibowitz, who's the Director of Service Line Analytics and Strategy for the University of Pennsylvania Health System. I'm right here at Penn Medicine. So if you've got any questions, we'd love to answer them. 844-942-7866. So, so Lee, a lot of times, and especially because I'm a career coach, I, I help people put together resumes and LinkedIn profiles. And those careers look very linear. And you know they don't look like they have any hiccups along the way. But we know that that's traditionally not what happens. So I, I get a lot of newer students who say, I can't make a career decision because it'll look bad on my resume or because it'll it'll you know, make me take a step back and I, I'll lose my, my pay level. I mean, what is your advice to people who, who are not willing to take a risk um, because of some of those reasons? So I'm a big proponent of, of having a story. Um, and so I made a career change as part of uh, you know, my, my process here at Wharton, um, went into consulting, being a, an experienced professional without consulting, experience. So that was a challenge. Um, but I had a story. So when I met with folks, whether it was through networking or career counseling and guidance or interviews, um, I knew uh, how to tell the story of why I was making the decisions I was making or I had made in the past. Uh, and so being nonlinear is normal. You don't always know where you're going to be in five years or 10 years or 15 years. It's a journey. It, uh, I think just about everybody has a journey with pivots and changes. Uh, along the way. And and just being able to verbalize and tell your story um, is important. So I think my advice is know your story, practice it, get input from other people who um, are around you who can help you form your story because sometimes you don't see it because you're you. Um, 
but uh, the reasoning behind some of the decisions that you make. Yeah. And we talk about career story a lot here because it is important. I mean, you need to kind of take your past and take your experience and take all those things and put them together into a coherent story that your your new audience, whether that's your boss or your network, can understand. And I think that's something that people struggle with is that, you know, it doesn't have to be every aspect of your life. It doesn't have to be that, you know, you took a you took a brief hiatus to try a uh, new business for six months and it didn't work out. I mean, you can leave that off. You can leave that out of your story. So it's a matter of knowing your audience and then picking those things that relate to that story. So along those lines, Lee, was there um, was there a mistake you made in your career that you've really learned from that probably isn't part of your story, but maybe others can benefit from? Yeah, I, I think the biggest single mistake that I've made in my career was early on, actually coming out of undergrad, um, I had an opportunity to do consulting. Um, and chose to go to industry instead. And I, I think in retrospect, fortunately, I was able to kind of correct that by doing consulting later in life. Um, but uh, going into industry and having um, an early career from the resume perspective on paper, that was hard for people to understand what it is that I do or mm-hmm. did and what it is that I bring to the table. Um, and so, uh, you know, you've heard me talk about consulting as an experience that is relatable and, um, you know, looks good and, and Certainly, there are lots of other experiences outside of consulting that do that accomplish the same goal, um, but something where uh, no matter what the industry, no matter who it is that is looking at your resume on paper, um, they understand the skill set that you've learned or that you bring. Um, I think a graduate degree kind of does the same thing or, or helps to accomplish that same goal. It's something where if, if they don't know you, they haven't met you, they haven't heard your story, they can look at who you are on a piece of paper and at least have some comprehension of, of the skills that you might bring to the table. So how important, um, you know, you're talking about consulting, and I want to dig into that because I, I think something you said earlier about really recognizing where you're a good match, um, and, and you have this deep consulting experience. So um, tell us about, I, I want you to be real here, Lee, uh, tell us about what is the life of a consultant really? Because some people are considering going into this, and um, they could benefit from using some, or some getting some good, solid, real sure. feedback about it. I'm never not real. I know. That's why you're here, Lee, because I know that about you. Um, So the life of a consultant. Um, So so if I'm speaking broadly, what consulting is, it's the ability to come in and and learn quickly and help solve problems and apply frameworks that you learn along the way as you get experience to other problems. Um, So when I talk about what's transferable and what is kind of universally known, that's that's in a nutshell what it is. Uh, The life of a consultant can really vary. So a lot of it depends on on the projects uh, and the industries and things like that. Uh, the travel's real, so there are firms and there are jobs or, or or client assignments where you won't travel. That happens too. Um, but I think if you're going in or thinking about going into consulting, you have to realize that it is very much a possibility that Monday morning you're on a plane, you're away, and Thursday night or Friday morning you're coming home. Um, while you're at a client site, you're going to work. Um, Again, a lot of variables, but you're going to work long hours. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of time with your team. And so this goes back to that interpersonal um, component of, you know, if, if you interview with somebody or if you are interviewing somebody and you spend a half hour with them and you want to poke your eyes out with a fork, um, <laughs> they're probably not somebody you want to spend 40 hours a week sitting in a room, just the two of you or in a small team uh, working through problems. So so that part is real as well. Um, uh, so it's it's a lot about learning quickly and applying uh, lessons learned from other uh, assignments, other engagements to the, the engagement, uh, the problem that you're trying to solve. And so, where does all that hard work launch you into? So, where where your um, you know if you look at that as your launch pad, where you're going to go somewhere else? What are your opportunities after a consulting gig? Sure. So I think um, there are lots of people who make a career out of it. Uh, it you work hard, but it's very rewarding, and you're constantly learning. Um, the other thing that, that I think it enables you to do is see a lot of different um, places, companies, industries with without risk, right? So you can go and you can get new jobs every few years to learn about different things. Um, that, that is a strategy, I, I suppose. Um, but uh, in that consulting world, you learn a lot. And so you're making connections. You're building a network all over the country w- with your clients. Um, there's lots of folks that do consulting and then transition and go work for a client they've worked, you know, that they have worked for as a consultant in the past. Um, so again, it's it's that breadth of knowledge, and you can really learn what you like and what you don't like, and then um, leverage that to to get a job. 
So I got to ask you a fun question. As somebody who spent a lot of time on an airplane, what's your what's your must have in the cabin? So you, you have to have this on your on your trip. Um, so uh, books or an e-reader. So that was definitely a lifeline. I did a lot of reading. Uh, I'll be real. I played a lot of Candy Crush. All right. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Good to know if you invite me to play that I would lose. Um, so, okay. So I have to tag on to that then. You do a lot of reading. Do you have any um, books or podcasts or things like that that you'd recommend to our listeners that either around healthcare or consulting or um, just general business that you found to be particularly helpful to you? Um, I tried to read fiction mm-hmm. so uh, or, or things that were a little more uh, more fun. Um, but I will, I will put a plug in for a podcast. So I, I, tra- I commute on a train now, so I still have time to do podcasts or reading. Um, there's a great podcast that you would probably love called Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie. Have you heard of it? Say, say that slower. <laughs> oh, no, Ross, and Carrie. Oh, no, yes. Ross, and Carrie. Yeah. You said that. Okay, that's like four, four uh, five syllables that you said in literally one. Oh, okay. no, Ross, and Carrie. What? Or six syllables. Okay, so tell me what this is about. Yeah, so, so it's basically the coast, the the co-host Ross and Carrie, and they go and investigate weird things that, like, I know you like trivia, um, you, you know, so things that you would be interested in learning about but don't have the time to go learn about. So you know, it could be uh, you know the uh, the alien culture, you know, people that believe that aliens are here. Do you believe in aliens, Lee? Uh, I believe in there. Are prob- there's probably life forms <laughs> elsewhere in the universe. As we digress, hey, you're yeah. bringing it up. I, I that fair. was that was not one of my questions on the list. I will I will tell you that <laughs> there are other life forms, but yeah, I do love fun facts, and I do think that um, I would like that podcast for that reason. But so I have a question for you, Lee, as a graduate of uh, Wharton's MBA for executives program. Do you know, because we have a campus in both Philadelphia and San Francisco, you attended the Philadelphia campus. Do you know the year that the San Francisco campus opened? The current building? The, no, <laughs> no. Let's not get complex. Just when we established, I, I had to look this up too, so don't feel bad. I feel like this is a trick question. Um, it really isn't. Now, Dion would tell you it is because Dion knows- It's I'm, always a trick no, question. No, but this time it's really not. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go 1994. Ooh. No. Dion, do you have an answer? If he's going 94, I'm I'm going uh I'm, I'm trying to do this like a uh, is it is it the uh, price is right? <laughs> um, it is, I'm going I'm going one under. I'm saying 93. Ooh, Michelle. I'll go one over. Oh, look at you. You're <laughs> all like game, game show champions. <laughs> Um, it was actually August of 2001, and mm. if you think about it, that was probably the most horrible time to open a new campus. Wait, so don't I win? Well, sure, Dion. Wait, so you, so we so we just handed our wins now? I guess I win. <laughs> <laughs> she needs a ding, Dion. Um, yeah, so 2001. Can you believe that? Wow. I, I was kind of shocked because I feel like it just opened. So, yeah, we've had a campus out there since 2001. Really interesting fun facts of of Wharton for Wharton's Reunion Radio. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 111. And we are here with Lee Leibowitz, who is a five-year anniversary celebrator today and works over at Penn Medicine. So, um, Lee, kind of as we um, wind down, what is the worst career advice you'd ever received? Uh, there's no such thing as bad advice. Um, you don't yeah, always have, yeah, you don't always have to take it. <laughs> that's true. But that, yeah, that's true. You don't have to take it. I'll, I'll agree with that part. But there is a lot of bad advice. There, there is. Um, I think when people tell you what you have to have or what you don't have to have, that, that can be troubling. So in my career, I had been told previous to coming back to Wharton, you know, you don't need an MBA anymore. Um, and, and I'm not trying to say you need an MBA, but I think – the advice of you don't need it is bad advice. So you think you do? This is like a lot of double negatives. So you do need it. What? No, no, no. I think it depends. It depends. Okay. On? Um, so I think it depends on what your career goals are, what mm-hmm. you want to accomplish. Um, I will say in a lot of industries nowadays, um, having some graduate degree is very helpful. Okay. Um, but it doesn't have to be an MBA. There are lots of successful people who have other graduate degrees. Um, I think having a graduate degree helps you get to a next level in your career. Uh, I think it, it shows that you um, are interested in learning and that you have the ca- uh, capacity and the capability to continue to learn because that's what 
uh, life is, right? And that's what uh, work is nowadays. Things move so quickly uh, in every industry. I can't think of any industry, even healthcare, um, that moves slowly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so having the capacity and the demonstrated capability of learning and applying things, uh, applying your knowledge and your experience to the current problems that you're facing – is is a, a necessity. I agree with that. I think we, we had a show a couple of weeks ago about reinventing yourself. And the fact is you don't have the opportunity not to anymore. Now you have me using this roundabout language. Double you, negative. I know. You must reinvent yourself because the fact is with technology and globalization and things moving at warp speed, we don't have the luxury of, of sitting around and, and you know 10 years going by and not learning anything new. So I, I completely agree. And um, obviously, I have a graduate degree and I, I value education. And I think in today's world, there's so many ways we can continue to do that. There's there's Coursera and online and, and there's conferences and all of these things that, that get you out there. So there really isn't, even if you can't afford or don't have the time or right now isn't the best time for a graduate degree, there really is no excuse not to be out there continuously learning. So so I was going to wrap up with what's your best advice, but I'm guessing that's, that is your best advice, Lee, for your best career advice for people who are maybe either thinking about making a career change or maybe our new grads coming out. Well, we talked about networking and, and the importance of, of building network and mm-hmm. having a story. Um, and we've talked about learning. So I, I think the learning component, whether that's through formalized um, graduate degree or, or, or um, coursework, uh, or informally, there's lots of way to spin to, to spin that tale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think continuous learning, continuous growth is the best advice. And networking. And networking. Because we have to end it on my favorite word. Lee, I've so enjoyed having you on the show today. Um, where can listeners reach you if they wanna they wanna hear more? Like LinkedIn. LinkedIn would be great. Um, yeah, and do include a personal message to let Lee know that you heard him here on Career Talk Sirius XM's Reunion Radio. Oh, you're, we're here all hour long, and it's 10 a.m. Eastern time on a Saturday, very early, 7 a.m. out there on the Pacific Coast. But we are live, so if you are catching us, we'd love to hear from you at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Thank you so much for coming, Lee. And when we come back, we will be here with another Wharton MBA alumni to share some great career advice. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM. We'll be right back. Celebrating Wharton's reunion weekend, where past alumni have gathered to reconnect and learn. This is a special presentation of Career Talk on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dr. Don Grant. Welcome back to Career Talk on Sirius XM, Channel 111, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we are back on our special Wharton reunion radio. So if it's 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time, very early we are live taking your calls, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we have Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, um, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So we are here with Kelly Breslin-Wright, who is in studio all the way from her home in Seattle. Good morning, Dion. Yes. So um, Kelly is retired from Tableau Software as an executive VP of sales after a 12-year run where she helped them grow to a multi-billion dollar public company. As a key member of the executive team, she now does board work, advising and speaking, and is an executive advisor to Dropbox. So you're, you're involved in so many things. You have a past in Bain McKinsey Bank of America, and of course you earned your MBA from the Wharton School, and you're back celebrating your 20-year anniversary. Congrats. Uh, Thank you. I am. It's very fun. That's exciting. And you are also on the committee, the reunion committee, so you're very involved. I am. We're trying to get a lot of people here. We actually have the record for most attendees ever for the 20th reunion. Well, that doesn't surprise me because you're at the helm, so congratulations on that. So um, how is it to be back on campus? It's so great to be here. It's very nostalgic, and it's fun being able to reconnect with all of my classmates. Mm-hmm. So so how did you end up pursuing a career in sales? Oh, sales. I, I've pretty much always been a salesperson. Back to my childhood, I was the one selling all of the cookies and <laughs> uh, doing all, all of the brownies and the cookie doughs. And 
And I just, I loved selling. And in college, when I was an undergrad, I actually worked for a company called the Southwestern Company, and I ran my own business for four summers in college selling educational books door to door. Wow. So that's that's hardcore, like, ground root sales. That is by far the hardest job I've ever had. Talking to people all day long, 14 hours a day, door to door, and dealing with people slamming the doors in your face all the time. But people aren't always excited to see you when you're door to door. Okay, so I have to ask you about sales because um, I'm an introvert and that just sounds awful to me. God awful knocking on people's doors. I had to do it as a Girl Scout, if I recall, and it was the worst trying to, to sell those cookies or things like that. And I, So you must be an extrovert by nature. Well, I definitely am an extrovert. I don't think you have to be an extrovert okay. to be in sales. So, so, so tell us what qualities you feel like make a great salesperson. Well, salespeople have to care about the other person's story. So I think a lot of sales is about communication. It's about understanding what motivates the other person. <laughs> and the reason I love sales so much is because every person has a unique story and it's fantastic to be able to talk to so many different people, be able to connect with them, under, understand their story, and then try to help them solve whatever their issue or problem is. And so you can be an extrovert or introvert and go around about it in different kinds of ways mm-hmm. as long as you have that communication and connection ability. I love that because we talk about networking a lot on the channel. And in some ways, that's very much sales because you're building the relationship and, and your definition of sales. So I want to think about people who are maybe one of the things I think is awesome about sales that you don't get in a lot of other careers is the ability to kind of write your own compensation in certain ways, the better you do, the more you get compensated. And so I think it's a very lucrative uh, profession, but I also think people who are risk averse may avoid it for that reason. So um, as people are thinking about going to sales, you've probably hired a number of people. What do you look for when you hire people into this role? Well, salespeople, I think one, they have to be curious. You have to be naturally curious Mm -hmm. to want to understand what the other person's motivation is. So curiosity is really big. Uh, Two, communication skills are really important. I think three, hard work, because sales is hard. And whether you have a weekly quota, daily quota, quarterly quota, annual, whatever it may be, you're always resetting down to zero. And then you control where your destiny is. It's different in that when you're in sales, you have to pay attention to the product or service you're selling, of course, so that's going to help you. But it's really all how much you can do. So you have to be a self-starter and independently motivated. Do you have to love the product or service? In my opinion, you absolutely have to. And I, and I think that that's important career advice, whether you're in sales or whatever you're doing, is you want to wake up every day to go to work and feel motivated and inspired by what you're doing. And Feel like you have a sense of purpose in whatever you're doing with your job. And critically important in sales because you are trying to convince someone to part with their hard-earned cash to buy what you're selling. If you aren't convinced in it, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to convey the value of what you're selling to someone else. So I think you absolutely not only have to believe in the product, Mm -hmm. you have to be really passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. And so um, I love that you put that kind of broader because I think that's very true that you're going to essentially be more successful in what you're doing if you love the job. So we have a lot of people graduating right now or maybe even thinking about going into a, a different career. And, you know, how do you know you love it? How, how do you know? Love is a difficult word to use. Okay. I, I think sometimes when people say love, they're thinking, I don't know, they're going to have little light bulbs and stars going and bursting everywhere. And that probably is a bit of a different way to look at it. It's like saying, well, are you always happy? Sometimes you can be happy and satisfied, but that doesn't mean you're joyous at every moment of the day. I, I would say when looking for a career, at least for me, I always looked at three different things when I was thinking about <laughs> career options. So the first was... I had to be passionate about what I was doing. So what I just talked about, you have to believe in the product. You have to believe in the purpose of what you're doing. Be inspired to wake up every day and go do that. Feel like you're making a difference so it can be motivating. Two, you have to really appreciate and respect the people that you're working with. So it's all about people to me. Uh, When we are born, we are wake up to a family and that family is a family that you just 
are born into. When you have a job, you're choosing your family. I mean, you're choosing the family that you are working with and spending most of your waking hours with. So are these people that you respect, that you trust? And that's critically important uh, to pay attention to people. So first is, are you passionate to the people? And three, I think you always have to be thinking about, can you learn and grow? It's Mm -hmm. all about personal growth. Because some people will take a job because they just know they can nail it. And so then you can have a job. But if you really want to progress and have a career, you need to be able to put yourself in a situation where you can thrive but you can also be continuing to learn and grow and challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to a very special episode of Career Talk for Wharton's Reunion Radio. And if it's 10 a.m. Eastern time, we are live taking your calls at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we are here with Kelly Breslin-Wright, who is celebrating her 20-year anniversary as a Wharton MBA grad and is here in studio all the way from Seattle um, and has an incredible background in in tech and sales and um, as a VP, as a former VP, um, what advice do you have for women who are kind of climbing the corporate ladder? Because we hear a lot about, you know, the, the imbalances of, you know, women at the top. And, and so tell us a little bit about how your journey was and what advice you have for people who are looking to take that journey or who are on it right now. Well, it was interesting because I was a woman in technology in sales. So there's very few women in technology. There were few women in sales and there were virtually no other female executives in technology sales. And so it's hard to look around and see other people that are just like you who are being successful. So the way I looked at it was one, come to work every day and do your best. So I knew I might not be able to go out there and see that there are a bunch of other women out there who are doing the same thing, but I knew I could come to work every day, put in my 110%, and nobody was ever going to challenge my work ethic. I think the other thing is you can only control what you can control. So in that environment, sometimes there are weird things that happen being a female in tech. And it's not that I was always paying attention. I actually most of the time just focused on going out there and doing my best. But you can't control how someone else is going to react. You can't control what they're going to do. That goes back to the time when I was selling books door to door. You couldn't control when someone was slamming the door in my face. Uh, But I could control my own reaction and my own behavior. So I'm hearing resilience is something that you need. Um, and maybe that's not whether, you know, related to being female, but I mean, I just think resilience in being able to take risks and learn from them and move forward. And, and so that's a big thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm also hearing that uh, you, you sound very confident and you're like, I just went out and did my best. And so I think there's something to be taken away from that in that we kind of screw ourselves up a lot by worrying about comparing ourselves to others or what other people are thinking or did I do that right or focusing on something from three years ago that you can't go back and change and I like the advice of I just want to focus on doing my best get out of bed today and do my best today and then tomorrow's a new day because I think that's something that sounds very uncluttered to me (laughs) whereas most of us clutter our mind with all these things that we can't change or do anything about so am I am I interpreting that correctly yeah Don I think that's an interesting point because especially earlier in my career, I was always concerned about people liking me and getting that that justification or that acknowledgement that things were right. And I think as time went on with my career, I realized that's, that's really not the right way to go about your career. Like, I don't have to be the most popular person. It's not a popularity contest. Everyone didn't have to like me. What I needed to focus on was doing my best, treating people with fairness and respect, making sure everyone always knew that I was doing the best informed job to make the right decisions. And then that garners you a lot of respect and people will end up following you if they know you're focused on doing the right thing and that you're giving your 100% rather than always trying to have everyone like you. It's just in the career, that's just not going to happen. Some people are going to like you. Some people are not. So a better goal is having people respect you. That's what I had. I think it's good career and life advice. I think you'll be a much happier person and sleep much better if you can just let go. Um, Somebody explained to me, a a teacher explained it to me once, like a chemistry chart. It's like there's certain elements that you you mix with and turn into great things, and there's others that 
you just explode. And that's just the way life is. And when you learn that, somehow it's so much simpler. Hey, 844 Wharton, 844-942-7866. You're the Career Talk, our special on Wharton Reunion Radio. And we are here with Kelly Breslin-Wright. And we are talking all about leadership and um, women at the VP level and sales and technology. Um, so did you have a sponsor? We talk a lot about, you know, kind of getting ahead in an organization. And, and these days you're hearing a lot about having a sponsor or mentor, somebody to kind of help you uh, climb the ladder. Was that your experience, Kelly? You know, people ask me this question all the time. There's all this thought of people have to have a mentor. And oftentimes I'll have people that I've no, I have no idea who they are, and they'll send me an email or ping me on LinkedIn and say, hey, Kelly, will you be my mentor? And so people are really nervous about it. And I'd say first, everyone just needs to relax, like calm down about the mentorship. For from my And, and mentors are always great. The thing is, for me... There were not tons of people I could go look at that were on the path to do what I wanted to do. So I took a different approach. I thought, well, I need to have mentorship. But rather than having only one sponsor that you follow for 20 years in your career, which is really hard to find, figure out what it is that you need at that moment. So at different points in my career... I might have needed career advice on a specific issue, or maybe I need benchmarking to how to do my job better. And I would ask everyone I know, who is the absolute best at this one specific thing? And then I would proactively go talk to those people. And so I ended up kind of collecting a whole bunch of different mentors at different points. And I think that leads to the importance of networking too, because then you build up a whole collection of potential network and mentors. And then if there's someone that you actually really connect with, then you can continue to go back and have more of a mentorship and sponsor. So it is important to have mentors and sponsors. It just doesn't necessarily need to be only one person who you go to for your whole career. There's different ways to handle the mentorship approach. Yeah, there's two points I want to pull out of that. One is you already started making, which is the network. I think the the bigger your network and the more relationships you can build throughout life, you're going to have those advisors or those people in your life you can tap into when when you need them because it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Um you know, and that that includes inside a company, too. I think some people get into a company and they're very siloed in their department. And what I always encourage them to do is, is reach outside your department, get to know people in in HR and finance and accounting in the mailroom and all of these different places, because your life will be infinitely easier if you have contacts in these places who you can ask advice or share information. So I love that part of it. The other part is something very important, because a lot of people ask, how do I get a mentor? How do I ask somebody to be my mentor? And I, as you pointed out, I don't think it works that way. You really can't. It, it's 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 something that sort of develops over time over a relationship. So can you help people understand if they're looking to maybe they're in a point in their life where they realize this is going to be helpful? How do they even start like looking for building those types of relationships with maybe individuals who are a little bit more career experienced than them? Hmm. Well, there's really two ways I think that you can go about it. One is there might be people that you've interacted with already where you respect them, you think they have really good experience and ideas, and you can reach out to them either by email or phone call or just if they're in your company, you can drop by their office and just say, hey, would you mind if I have 15, 15 minutes to be able to bounce some ideas off of you? So asking people for hour or can I meet with you an hour every week or every month is a bit too much to ask of someone when they don't know what you need. You just need a little bit of time. And then if you connect and things go well, you can ask for some additional time. So that's way number one. Now, with that way number one, it's important to go to the meeting with a specific agenda. Go with your questions. Don't just show up and say, What's your career advice? Because what does that mean? What are they going to do in 15 minutes? So take control of your own career. Make a specific determination of what you want help with and go and say, hey, I'm here for the 15 minutes because I have these three questions that I want your advice on. And be very specific. Say thank you. You can leave. And if you're organized that way, they'll be more inclined to be able to help you next time. And I, I think that's helpful regardless of what way. So first is if it's inside the company. Outside the company... You, if you want to reach out to someone you don't know, make sure you have a connection. That all comes back again to networking. So when you say connection, Kelly, do you mean that you know somebody in common or what yeah, do you mean by I that? Yeah, I think it has to be 
Well, I'll give you an example, just in terms of telling it in a story. If someone were just to blindly email me and say, you don't know me, will you meet me at Starbucks to give me some mentorship advice? And I have no idea who that person is, then I'm not going to pay any attention. But if I get an email from someone within my network, whether it is a family member, whether it's a friend, or whether it's a former coworker or professional network, and they say, hey, this person's really awesome, and I think that they could leverage 15 minutes of your time, would you mind meeting them? Then I will, I will take that meeting almost every time. And that, and that goes back, again, so many things go back to networking, which mm-hmm. is what so much of this whole series is about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so I love that you say that because uh, I agree that if you can get an endorsement, you're kind of like, you know, in the door. If you can't get an endorsement, would it be okay if somebody, I mean, you're, you're an executive, Kelly, so you are busy, you're traveling, you're, you're doing about 15 jobs outside of that and board of directors and all these things. Um, so for somebody to get your attention, I imagine that the best way to do that is for somebody you know to reach out. But what if somebody wanted to get your attention and they just didn't have a contact in your network? Are there other things that might work for you? Well, this comes back. I, I'm going to pivot first before mm-hmm. I answer that. And people, you, we had talked a bit about how I was in sales. And sometimes people feel like, well, I don't want a career in sales. That is just not what I want to do. So if you look at it a different way, everyone is in sales. So if, if someone thinks they're not in sales, they're just wrong. So they're in sales because you have to be able to communicate and connect with others. Two, you have to be able to sell yourself. You're selling your ideas and yourself all the time. So networking is really about having those sales and connection skills. So what makes a good salesperson is the same way of how you make this connection. If someone wanted to reach out to me, reaching out and saying, hey, Kelly, I'd love to go have a meeting. That one's not going to work that well. But if they've done a little bit of background and research and they comment on something I've written or something that I've done and they have some specific question that they ask, again, going back to having an agenda, then I'd be much more inclined to answer it. Just last week, someone from Wharton actually had had emailed me and said, I'm a classmate at Wharton. I have some questions. Here are the three things that I want to know. I don't know if you have time to meet or have a call. And I responded that I didn't have time to meet, but I answered all the questions and we went back and forth. So now he's opened that communication line. Yeah. So I think that there's some really important things that I just want to pull out of that, which are, um, I, I think you have to do your research. You have to do your, do your homework. I mean, you've been in a lot of media appearances. You appear on the news, you, you appear in articles, podcasts, things like that. So I think, I think one, people need to do their research and, and look at the things you've done because maybe some of the answers they want are in those types of of communications you already have posted out there and then and then two something else you mentioned is is nobody's going to meet with you for coffee if they don't know you it's just too time don't intensive know something about you yeah you know or unless they're hiring and they're looking you're perfect for the job but i mean people who don't know you coffee is a big commitment coffee to me is like an hour of time so always ask for a 15 to 20 minute phone call because most people can spare that. And I think the third thing you said, which is so important, is have an agenda. A lot of people have been coached around networking that, okay, don't ask for a job and don't, and, and that's true, but that doesn't mean don't ask for something specific and don't give the person, um, you know, specific questions. Because I'm just curious, what happens if somebody shows up to you and says, okay, um, thank you for meeting with me, Kelly. What should I do with my career? I mean, what is your reaction to that? Well, the first question would be, what did you want to ask? What do you want to do? Right. And I I think if I flip that, when people are thinking about career progression and career advice, it's important to recognize that you as an individual, you own your career. Yes. Take charge of your own career. Yes. Don't give it to somebody else to figure out because why why would you, Kelly, even though you're very successful in your life, why would you know what my life should be like. Yeah, and people, I think people do this all the time. They'll they like do. come and ask for a question and ask for advice. And it's fine to ask for advice, but I don't know what your career objectives are. I don't know what your career goals are unless you tell me. Uh, but the thing is, is, sometimes people will have a job, they'll nail that job, they'll do a great, great everyday results, 
And then they're just sitting there waiting for someone to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you have a promotion. Here's this other opportunity. Now, that might happen some of the time, but that's really just not the way it works. Mm -hmm. How it works is take control of your own career. Let it be known what it is that you want to do. Go ask for help and raise your hand. The more proactive you can be in taking ownership of your own career, the more progression that you're going to get. And back to one of the questions you asked at the beginning, what do I look for when people want those kind of promotions? It, it's about the people who they're the business builders. Mm-hmm. They're the ones raising their hand. So um, you've been out of Wharton 20 years and, you know, in the past two decades, what I'm wondering is, you know, obviously the skills and what's most important in the workplace shifts and and probably even more dramatically in the last few years because of technology. So, you know, as we're kind of um, winding down, I'm wondering as a leader, as a VP, an executive, what are those must have skills that people need to come to the workplace with? They need to have hard work. They need to have communication skills. Define that for me because that that's a very vast thing. So when you say because that has changed a lot with mm. social media. So I mean, when you say communications, what are what are you looking for as a VP when you when you're looking at maybe um, hiring people or you know teaming up with people? I, and there's a whole bunch of ways that you can think about communication. I, there are, are you a good writer? Are you, are you, can you do a speech the, in a good, productive way? And that's all important, but that's not really what I'm meeting. With communication is can you actually build com- connections with other human beings? Can you be empathetic? Can you be a good listener? Can you have that give and take? Mm-hmm. Can you be operating with other people with the level of humility? That might be a little different than communication, uh, but that's so important to be able to communicate with humility and empathy so you can really focus on having a two-way communication where you can hear and process what the other person is saying. It's not just about one way speaking at and communicating at. It's being able to have productive dialogue. So you're talking about relating, essentially building relationships. Yes. So, okay, so hard work, um, building relationship skills, any any others? I think having some flexibility as what we talked about before, adaptability and flexibility. You're going to be thrown things all the time uh, within a career environment or within a life environment. And you're not always going to be able to predict where it's going. So you want to go on a path, but you need to be flexible to take things as they come. I think the other part is I always look for someone that's a risk taker. Mm-hmm. So if someone's always playing it safe, they might be good for some specific roles. But the people who are really going to thrive, they're the ones that want to continuously learn, continuously challenge themselves to branch outside of their comfort zone. So you want to be able to build on where your strengths are and what you're good at. But you need to be able to have that continuous growth growth and learning and push yourself outside your boundaries. That requires some level of risk-taking because those that take risks get a bigger reward. Mm-hmm. You have to just be willing to lean into those risks. Yeah, the bigger the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. I think that's a great place to end, Kelly. So um, Kelly Breslin-Wright, people can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Congratulations on your 20-year anniversary from the Wharton MBA program. And, of course, thank you to Dion and Michelle for manning the studio and making us sound so great on today's career. Talk special for Wharton Reunion Radio. You've been listening to SiriusXM Channel 111, and we'll be right back. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.